What is up, podcast listeners? Thank you for giving me a few moments of your day to listen to this podcast. This is the Matt Baxter Show. I'm your host, Matt Baxter, and this podcast is about purpose, passion, and calling. Super stoked to have you as a listener because we're going to dive into some awesome, intense stories about people who are going through this journey of this thing called life, and we're all just figuring this out together. But seriously, you're giving me a little bit of your time, and I want to make sure it's valuable and worthwhile. So have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? When I was getting this podcast off the ground, we first started as the Wedgecast, evolved into the Matt Baxter Show. There was a lot of questions that we had, like, how do I record an episode? How do I get my show in all the different places like Spotify, Apple Music, Anchor, Zencaster, all these different places. And yet it just seemed very, very complicated. But the simple thing for us as we began to navigate the waters is the answer to every single one of these questions, questions excuse me, was really simple. It's Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free. Yeah, free. And it's ridiculously easy to use. And now Anchor can match you with great sponsors who want to advertise in your podcast. That means you can get paid podcast right away. In fact, that's what I'm doing right now. Yeah, making money. Okay, it's sweet. It's easy. It's not a big cheap plug on an ad, but it's just simple and easy to use. So for us, it's one of the best parts about it is we can do it entirely remote or in studio. So you can record, you've got that really, really high, you know, high in the sky person that you're going to have as a guest on your podcast. You got to do it remote. Anchor is easy to use. You got people who are willing to come to your studio, your house, your office, wherever you're recording it. Boom. Anchor. Love it. Simple, easy, simple and easy to use. So if you ever want to start a podcast, make money doing it, go to anchor.fm slash start. Join me in the diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. That's anchor.fm slash start. Can't wait to hear your podcast. What's up, Wedgecast listeners? On this episode of the podcast, I'm hanging out with L.V. Hansen. I got connected to him actually through a very good friend of mine, Ryan Brown, who mentioned that he was one of the most intelligent people when it comes to organizational thought, leadership development, and just this concept of how do you deal with the complexities of leadership and make it into a tangible thing that people can learn how to do and also evaluate themselves and how to do better. LV's got an awesome story. He's a wild man. We actually recorded this podcast when he was driving through, I think it was Montana with a few of his friends. I mean, just a crazy story. He's a pro volleyball player. I mean, this guy's just filled with fun, awesome stories, not to mention some leadership wisdom. So take a look at this episode of the podcast. LV Hansen, thank you for being a guest on this show. Pleasure. We, uh, for those listening, Ryan Brown, I got to give a little shout out to him. Um, I'm going to be the best man in his wedding. He's getting married here shortly. And he calls me out of the blue one day and he says, Hey, been following your podcast, been listening. I've got the perfect guest. And he referred me to LV. We connected and exchanged a few emails. And it's been an interesting scheduling with him because you seem to be all over the world traveling, doing these amazing, amazing trips. Uh, and so thanks for uh, finally making this work. This is awesome. Uh, it's, uh, I've been looking forward to it. Thank you for making time. So LV, share your background, man. I mean, it seems like uh, you have quite an interesting background and leadership and strategy just all over the place. So if you can, like as far back as you're willing, but just would love to hear the background. Yeah, for sure. Um, 
So, you know, going back to the travel comment, I grew up in a Navy family. So I moved around every three years and uh, that took me from Florida to Hawaii to uh, Northern California to uh, Guam for middle school, high school in Texas, college in Colorado, um, played volleyball in college and then professionally overseas for a little bit in Eastern Europe. And uh, I blew my elbow out playing ball and ended up moving to Atlanta. And that's where through friends of friends got connected with the leadership at Enjoy, John Maxwell's leadership development company back in 2004. And I didn't know much about leadership development. I didn't know much about John Maxwell, but I got to know these leaders that some friends said I should connect with. And through those relationships, joined that team. And uh, that's where I got my, um, oh, my informal MBA in leadership. It just, for the next seven to eight, year, seven to eight years, I uh, got to glean from some of the most amazing people, um, learning about leadership, learning about uh, teams, strategy, everything you're talking about. I just got to sat at the feet of some of these brilliant minds, all uh, these authors, these speakers, and just glean everything. And from there, um, moved out to the West Coast and ended up launching the West Coast initiative of what we called Catalyst at the time. Um, and as, as I tell the story, it's kind of funny because it, it, uh, it just seems sort of random and eclectic, but I was, you know, played volleyball, then did leadership development, and we worked with a lot of nonprofit leaders and church leaders and community leaders all over the country. Um, so when I went out to the West Coast, we worked closely with the church out there, and I stayed as part of the Catalyst team for a few years when I moved to Orange County, but I became really close with the staff at, at Mariner's Church and ended up being a pastor there for a couple of years uh, after leaving Catalyst. And so um, leadership development for you know seven to eight years and then joining the, a pastoral team, really learning about people development and heart and soul development was, was with them for a few years. And then it took another random turn for me where I was having uh, drinks with a buddy who was launching this, this um, startup. Uh, and they were, they were focusing on leveraging fashion and apparel to raise money and awareness for nonprofits around the world. But they were building a, a for-profit business. And he was talking about it. They had a, a bunch of young leaders and they were talking about their strategy, and I made a couple recommendations, just making it up on the spot. He came back and said, man, we want you to do that with us. And I said, no, I'm good on my end, and he kept pushing. Um, and finally, I decided to take the leap and jump into the business world, and we focused on culture. And so that's, for me, when I look back at my story, that's where I started to see some dots connect around leadership development and people development in the business context around culture. And I got to kind of build the, the foundation of what I've been doing ever since, which is culture development around leadership, people. How do you help cultivate an environment that really draws out the best in people? And I by no means um, would say I've learned a lot. I think I'm learning. Uh, it's the raw and the real in the moment. Um, but that's what I've been doing for the last, gosh, seven to eight years now. And it's, it's been amazing. 
Um, yeah. What a, now I joined. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Well, I was about to say, so I, I, so I got to ask, and maybe this is a leadership definition question, but so growing up playing volleyball and obviously being a pretty good volleyball player to the point where you're playing professionally, do you feel like you were a born leader or do you feel like you were a developed leader? And maybe that will tap into a question on, you know, leadership definition, but do you feel like you naturally sort of always had that itch or do you feel like it was something you sort of progressively stepped into? Yeah, it's a good question. You know, I, um, I kind of want to demystify this idea of leadership because in my opinion, uh, and it's the classic John Maxwell leadership is influence, but when you play it out in real life, I think if you share airspace with another human being, you have influence. And so this idea of leadership is really for anyone not living in a cave, you know, it's, we all have influence to some degree. And so in some areas we're leaders. And I think because of my story and some of the people I've had a chance to meet, um, my eyes have been opened to some of the broader opportunities to influence at, um, at different scales. But yeah, for sports, I mean, I grew up playing every sport possible and there are just some natural talents or skills or propensities or tendencies that some people have. Uh, whether volume level, their natural volume level, or energy, or excitement, or you name it. Uh, so in, the, in that regard, I think I did have a knack for speaking um, in ways that helped rally teams towards, you know, for instance, college volleyball or national championship run. I mean, you know, it's, there was a vocal tendency that I had in that regard because of the passion or energy that was directed in that, in that, um, in that space. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't think leaders are these heralded other people. Um, if you share airspace with, with another human being, you've got influence. And so leadership is there. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes complete sense. I love it. So, uh, so a quick dweeby question about volleyball. Is that okay? Yeah, for sure. Um, is the game of volleyball in the United States this sort of the same game that's played overseas? And the reason why I ask it like that, so I, I grew up playing lacrosse, and a uh, a kid who grew up playing lacrosse in the United States versus a kid who grew up playing lacrosse in Canada, two totally different styles of play. And so is it the same in the United States as it is in other countries? No, in my opinion, it's entirely different. I mean, just from pure popularity or exposure. Um, volleyball in America, I, I don't even know their rankings, but I would bet it's not even top 10 sports in America. Um, but if you look internationally, it's top five across the world. Some rankings have it number two behind soccer uh, in terms of popularity and engagement. So that alone tells you that it's entirely different here. Men's volleyball is another a whole other animal it, it's um, you know it's a fraction of uh, a small percentage of the men's volleyball programs in NCAA compared to women's I think it's over 300 something women's programs and men's it's like 20 um, it's like I said a fraction of it so we just don't have yeah, any what, exposure or visibility yeah I know what what uh what position do you, did you play 
for my, for a lot of college, I played middle, but at six five, I was too short to play that overseas. So I moved uh, to outside uh, when I moved overseas. So me coming in at a stunning five foot four, I probably wouldn't have been a middle. Is that what you're saying? You know, unless you've got some serious hops, man. <laughs> there's some other opportunities for you. <laughs> Love that. So, okay, so this this whole idea of, you know, stepping into sort of leadership development. So, um, so when you began to learn uh, just leadership development strategy, organizational psychology. I mean, all this really, really fascinating studies and also incredibly applicable studies to then be thrown into a startup where you wear tons of hats and like majority. So, I mean, I run a startup myself and no matter how good our preparation and practices, uh, it's just chaos all the time, even when things are going well. So how did you balance the whole idea of leadership theory and the practice of almost thinking of leadership as like a consulting, Hey, here's how we can come in and help to then being thrown in the middle of a chaotic startup growing. Like how did you balance those two things and how did you make that work? Does that question make sense? Yeah, I don't know. If, yeah. I don't know if I did, to be honest. Um, it's, you, you know, this given what you just shared about running your own startup, uh, you're trying to survive some days. I think for me, when I think about it, um, the anchor has got to be the care and development of your people, uh, the relationships, the team. Um, I read a book this last year called Rare Leadership, and it tells the story of Matt Emmons, who was an Olympic athlete back in 2004. I think it was in, uh, I think it was Athens. But um, he, this, and I don't know the exact term, I'm going to say riflery athlete, but um, he was, he was shooting or he was one of the world's leading riflery athletes. uh, And going into the Olympic games, he was favored by far above everybody else. And so um, as was predicted, he goes in the preliminary rounds and he's just smashing the competition and gets into the, the medal round. And he's going into his final shot and he is so far ahead of the competition that in order to win gold going into his final shot, he basically has to just hit the paper, um, which for him is, you know, unconscious. It's just it's a natural foregone conclusion. Everybody knows he's going to win gold. And story goes, he lines up, takes a deep breath, aims, fires, bullseye. Crowd goes crazy. He pumps his fist, gold medal until everybody realized he hit the wrong target. He was lined up in shooting bay three and somehow just a couple degrees off shot at the target at shooting bay two and hit the wrong target. It was a bullseye, but it was the wrong target. And so not only did he not win gold, he fell off the podium and came in fourth. And it was a crushing defeat. I mean, you can imagine. Um, and the lesson there in the book was that there's two targets that, that every leader faces. And the first target is that leaders often face every day, all day is uh, numbers, results, profits. Are you driving towards the metrics that determine success? Um, that's the first target. The second target 
for people, relationships, and teams. And it's very possible to hit your target. It's very possible to crush your numbers and to um, win at whatever metrics you define to determine the success of your organization. But if you do it in a way that misses on your people, misses on the relationships, misses on your team, then you ultimately lose. And so Matt Emmons bullseyed the wrong target and he fell off the podium. He missed the medals. Um, and so for me, a North Star uh, that I hope to maintain and admit that I'm in process every day trying to stay true to this is that I'm trying to add value and support and care for the people around me. Um, even if it means that it comes at the expense of numbers in the immediate, because the long-term story would suggest that numbers will take care of themselves. If you take care of your people, if you build trust and build healthy teams, the numbers will come around. It may take a bit, but that's the foundation building. Um, so that's what comes to mind when I think about your question about going back to startup, uh, this idea of really applying leadership in, uh, in practical application. Yeah, I love that. That's yeah. phenomenal. And that's, that, that's something that I uh, deal with, struggle with, wrestle with a ton is like, A, not that I'm like, well, I guess I'm trying to do my best to lead an organization, not to think about people who I work with as like uh, 80% version of me. So like not trying to replicate that mindset and not trying to create that attitude, but also like you know, balancing the idea of, Hey, there's a huge sense of urgency all of the time to get where we need to go, but also doing so in the context of developing people, it is not an easy thing. And no matter how much time you take to spend on it, it's a challenge, but man, is it when you put people first and you know, you have a results focused organization, it's pretty dangerous. It's a, it's a cool thing. So yeah, I love that. I love that perspective. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll say this in response to that because it's not just putting other people first, and this is going to sound selfish and maybe a little backwards, but in order to put other people first, in order to help facilitate and foster and cultivate the development of other people, um, you have to be experiencing that for yourself. I have to be experiencing that for myself. And so if I'm operating from a place of lack or from a place of exhaustion or, or from a place of depletion, I don't have anything to offer. The first person I have to make sure I take care of, the make, first person I have to make sure is on the road towards towards health is me. And if I do that, then there's an appreciation to offer that for other people. But if I'm not doing that for me, there's no way I'm going to have a radar or any sensitivity to help cultivate that for other people. Hmm. So yeah, no, it makes it makes complete sense. It's, and so it's the oh, oxygen, oxygen mask in the plane moment, right? And when the oxygen mask falls, when you lose cabin pressure, who do you put the oxygen mask on first? Always yourself. On yourself. Yeah, you if you you cannot give what you don't have, and um, I've got to make sure that I'm a leader worth following before I actually try and build leaders worth following. That is a good quote. I like that a lot. That that has a lot of power to it. Yeah, that's amazing. So when you step in and work with an organization, what is typically 
All right. I guess I'll – well, knowing what you just said, when you step in and work with an organization, do you typically look at the quote-unquote leader, given your back track of kind of how you, how you spell that out, or do you look at sort of the uh, employees underneath the leader's response and reaction and sort of the truth behind the curtains of that leader? I mean, how are you – trying to think how I can specifically ask what I'm trying to get at. So if you step into an organization that has some, some major issues and it comes from the top down, are you focusing more on that individual leader or call it the manager clearly? Cause they're not a leader, but like, are you trying to address their issues or are you trying to address the team's response to that person? Yeah. I mean, I, it, does that make sense? I'm talking to it. It, it does. It does. And that's a great question. Um, but for me, the question is who's driving the conversation and what do they ultimately want? Um, if, if the executive team pulls me in, then we get to explore uh, what their challenges are and what they want. And then the beauty of that is that they have the initial um, spark or the, uh, ripple influence to the rest of the organization. If it's, or director or senior leader, but not executive leader, then it's a, it's, a, it's an entirely different ball game. And I tell them out of the gates, hey, um, you're going to face a new dynamic by leading up as you are as much as you are leading across and leading down. And so it just creates another another dynamic, which is not it's neither bad nor good. Um, it just is a, a different monster. I I say this. Uh, managers cultivate it. And so the question in any organization is, is the culture that's intended from the executives congruent to the managers are actually cultivating? There's subcultures all over every single organization, and those subcultures are cultivated by the managers that lead those teams. The question is, what kind of congruence do you have between what the executives intend and what the managers are actually cultivating? And the more you can bring visibility and understanding to that, it gives you an idea of where the breakdown might be. Yeah, I love that. Um, so what's what's most of your time, most of your day-to-day? I mean, obviously, day-to-day can mean whatever it means. But most of your work, uh, your concentrated man hours, your, your just uh, mental focus, what's that spent doing now? Yeah, great question. Uh, well, for the last two years, I've been – working with Procore Technologies in Carpinteria, California. And Procore is a uh, a leading technology solution for the construction industry. And um, it's been been amazing watching this organization uh, address real-time needs in the construction industry and offering technology to bring greater efficiency and impact. So we've provided this technology solution um, and people have been super fired up on it. It's created a rocket ship expansion over the last five, six years. Um, And while we've seen the impact in the construction industry through technology, what we're finding is that people are now reaching out to us saying, hey, will you teach us about your culture? Your technology is amazing, but can you teach us about culture as well? And so what that's forced us to do is get really tight with knowing what the ins and outs and the nuts and bolts and the framework of our culture is. And our president, uh, Steve Thumb, says this like a mantra. Uh, 
Culture drives business, and in return, business reinvests and drives culture. And so at the end of the day, um, we are creating a culture of Procore that drives business success. And so over the last year specifically, we've been exploring how we can invite executives from the construction industry that have been part of our Procore family into a space where we can learn together about how to create healthy culture. Um, in the construction industry, one of the biggest business needs is attraction and retention of top talent. How can you leverage culture to bring a solution to attracting and retaining top talent? How do we help construction companies become the employer of choice in their area? Uh, I've never really known anyone that's grown up, gone through high school and college and says, I want to go into construction. But what if we created uh, companies with cultures that attracted people into this industry? It might, it might change the narrative. Um, and so that's, it's, it's really exciting because of, of the um, impact we're already seeing in just the last six months specifically. Um, we're looking at launching another experience uh, two months from now, inviting executives from enterprise level construction companies into a space where we can learn about how culture drives business success uh, in the construction industry. So that's what, and, and on top of that, maintaining some of the internal work that I've been able to do the last couple of years, I've been on the leadership team with our learning and development uh, team within Procore. And so I'll still do a lot of internal trainings and team building experiences, but now we get to focus it external. So it's an internal, external culture development focus. Yeah, that's amazing. So, well, I, I gotta, I gotta validate the work you guys are doing because obviously Ryan picked up the phone and called me and said, Hey, you know what LV and their, you know, his organization is doing for, for Wayland and everything that they've got going on. He was so fired up. And so just uh, take that as a little bit of an encouragement because you guys are clearly having an impact. That's amazing. Well, to Ryan and his team, it's really fun to be part of an organization that is charging hard at growth and development and I don't feel like I had to do much to spark anything with them. They were so hungry and are so hungry to learn and grow. I just get to be a voice that helps direct it, uh, which is really exciting. Yeah, that's special. Yeah. All right, so you ready for the you ready for the heavy hitting question, the big one? Come on. What is it that gets you out of bed the morning the most? I mean, you're a guy who has traveled around the world, uh, whether it was by choice or just by family, just moving around. You have uh, been an amazing D1 athlete, uh, played professional sports. Now you're in leadership development, and you are just helping organizations take it to the next level. So out of all those sweet things, what is it that really gets you fired up the most? That's such a fun question. Um, the whole reason anytime. why I started the show is because I get to ask that question. It's the best. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's a great question. Um, Anytime I get to be a part of a learning environment, a learning experience where someone has a light bulb moment, where someone has an aha, um, breakthrough moments with people that help, that help cultivate um, transformation, whether it be in business context, whether it be in relationships, families, um, it's I'm humbled by it. I'm honored by it. I've been a part of so many leaders in my life that have helped wake me up uh, to some of the most amazing ahas that have been transformational for me. If I can, if I can be a part of that with someone else, 
on any level, whether it's in a room of 10,000 people or a room of 10. Um, that moment is truly special because, you know, going back to the ripple effect, uh, it never lands with that one person. It's always going to have impact with uh, someone that they touch, their family, their, their, uh, their friends, their community. And what an honor to be part of something that brings positive growth and transformation um, to, the, to the larger, larger community. I, it's, it, it doesn't just wake me up in the morning and fire me up. It humbles me. And, and um, I can't think of anything else that's more worthwhile. So that's special. That's, that's amazing. Well, LV, uh, I want to leave it with you and say, is there anything else you want to leave the, the audience with or the listeners with? You know, going back to one of your first questions about are leaders born or developed? Um, I think I'll answer it more directly. I think every leader is developed. I don't think the nature of humanity is that um, we're always in growth. We're always in development. None of us wake up perfect, right? Uh, I think the opportunity there is to grow and develop. And whatever that looks like, um, whatever the unique characteristics and skills and strengths for each individual, when those become when those blossom and those become developed, that creates such a unique value to the world that I go, how do we dig into the specifics of make uh, that make up every single person and to whatever degree we can jump in and help develop and grow that that's where we see leadership really thrive. And so um, I think the opportunity there is to be part of the growth and development of myself in such a way that helps invite that for other people. Um, that's what's fun. Man, I feel like I'm going into the weekend with like the best attitude now. <laughs> it's great, man. Well, you're asking <laughs> fantastic questions and, and really drawing that out. And I'm sure the people that you bring onto your show. So thanks for letting me be a part. Yeah, man, of course. I mean, what you, what you mentioned early on, you get to, you know, when, when you were kind of beginning your career, you got to spend time with, you know, some of the best leaders, authors, you know, around the world. And uh, not intentionally, but I've sort of tripped into that with this podcast. I mean, it's for me, one of the most amazing learning curves and getting to hang out with people of all walks of life, whether they've, you know, nailed life and they've, they've, you know, become huge successes or whether they've tripped over themselves a lot and kind of struggled through things. But yet this to me, I mean, selfishly has been like one of the most amazing experiences and ultimately why I want to do in a podcast form because it gets, you know, get to share with other people. So it's been really special. Awesome. Sweet. Well, safe travels. Thanks a ton for being on the show. And uh, yeah, let's, uh, we'll, we'll connect soon. Thanks again. Pleasure was mine. Hope you have a great day.